Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Wild Ones podcast, where we talk about bike stuff. I'm Francis, this is Jimmy, and this is episode six. From the road. Sinks already. Yeah. From the road. You sound a bit croaky, friends. I feel a bit croaky. It's been a long few days. So, for the viewers at home, we're not in our usual lovely studio. We're in a hotel room. It's six o'clock in the morning. We're in a holiday inn in central London. And we've been filming a video series, which a couple of episodes have dropped already. About the best rides that you can do in the UK, or the best cycling holidays in the UK. And we found five. Started with five episodes, yeah. And we've been away six days. Six days. Just finished it. So yeah, we've uh, missed m- missed at least one podcast, and we're definitely going to miss it. I think another podcast because so we've just run out of time. Um, but we wanted to do one, so it's happening. In a hotel room. The things we do for you guys. <laughs> um, we're going to start this episode with Fluff Up of the Week, because there has been a lot of them. <laughs> fluff Up, Fluff there's another one. Fluff Up of the Week. Do you want to talk about the first one? I want to get it out of the way. What, as in, why, why we're late? Why are you wearing Emily's t-shirt? Oh, right. I have one t-shirt left to get me home. And it's the OG Wild T-shirt, and it's I've picked up Emily's one, which is an extra small. But because they are outrageously oversized, yeah, I can just about get away with it. Mm. But if I lift my arms, my, my belly button does come out. I think it's a look. I quite like it. Mm. There's actually a lot of people walking around London dressed like that. I, I think it's a new thing. I, I haven't been back in a while, but they're all about fashion. London people, are they? Yeah. Super tight T-shirts. They're back here. Super tight, nice. super short shorts. Camera can't see your shorts, probably a good thing. Yeah, Shorter nice. shorts than ants. I did a podcast with another guy, super short shorts. Yeah, very short. Anything? Yeah. What other fluff ups have we had? Well, we've been on the road for the last six days, so mm-hmm. we didn't do a podcast until now. Um, there will also be no podcast episode next week because we are going to go on holiday and we refuse to let 
we, we've been work building up to this holiday for so long. We're not going to the same place. We're going to different places. Um, we've been building up to it for so long that we've just categorically refused to let work flow into it. Um, and we've run out of time. We were going to shoot two podcasts before we ran on holiday, but we've ended up doing one in a hotel room instead. <laughs> Why don't we do two in one, in one day? It's surprisingly hard. It is. A podcast is surprisingly draining and difficult, and there's things that go wrong, and then there's lots of admin, like file management and things to do afterwards. So that's why we're not doing two in one day, because there'd be two really bad podcasts instead of one pretty okay one. And no, it's filmed. And I'm very nervous that we haven't got Emily to make sure that this doesn't take like 40 hours. Mm-hmm. That is true. Another fluff up, which I think we can talk about. I had a crash. <laughs> that's not That's not even a Are we allowed to talk about it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a fluff up. It's no. your fluff up. That's, I was fine. No. Your, your fluff up. Where the, the camera will show that I was not moving. You were moving. So we went to... The road into <laughs> the stage. I had only one line choice. But it was the road is no. a metre and a half wide. Uh, right. Steepest street in the world. Harlech, Wales. Harlech. Harlech. Well done. Like hummus. Yeah. Yeah. Is a lovely little road in North Wales, which we were using as part of our six things to do in North Wales video. It is literally the opposite of a lovely little road. It looks it looks lovely. It's a very horrible medium sized road. Okay. It's, it's intimidating walking down there. <laughs> it's slippy. It is it is slippy. I cycled up here for the video. We won't go into too many details, but my cameraman, Jimmy, got in the way. <laughs> For some reason, it just ran straight in front of me. The, I crashed into you. I've seen. I hurt my knee, but luckily I fell on mud. I've seen the camera footage. It will clearly show that I was static, <laughs> and you literally rode into me. It's a really good clip. At least this footage. At least you will know it's really good. Ridiculous. When you watch it in the edit, you'll realise how how much longer afterwards I was filming as well. I prioritise filming to <laughs> from the from the ground, right from the ground, and it's just like my bike. Just... Nice. So, multitude of fluff ups. Ah, we're going to talk about the cycling series that we just filmed more in later podcast. Uh, later in this podcast. Oh wait, yeah. Oh yeah. I've read the notes. You haven't. <laughs> I've read the notes. <laughs> but let's get into the debrief of the week. And the first story is sprinter, pro cyclist, Fabio Jakobsen and his mysterious disappearing S-Works. Ooh, conspiracy. Um, essentially, Fabio Jakobsen crashed in a Tour de France stage during a sprint and snapped his S-Works race bike in half. And he posted a photo on Instagram of it. The bike is broken, the body is bruised and burnt, but the morale is intact, Fabio said. I've seen the phone. It's pretty gnarly, like bike in half. Seen quite a few situations like that yeah. firsthand in my life. Um, these things do happen. Then the photo mysteriously disappeared. Well, it wasn't mysterious. He deleted it. He, de- <laughs> he deleted it mysteriously. Presumably by the request of various sponsors or probably his team management, I would have thought. Mm. The post was quickly taken down. It was replaced by a carousel of images 
in which his bike was carefully hidden behind him so you couldn't see it was broken. The new caption simply said, thanks to everyone for your support and messages, they mean a lot to me. So, I could see why a bike sponsor would would not want that picture in the world because people will start questioning whether the bike was safe or not or whether you should buy that bike because it might crack. But I guess what we know is if you crash hard enough on carbon, it was going to break. Yeah, full credit to, not credit, but full understanding to, it's not because the bike is any more delicate than all carbon bikes. If you crash them really hard, at the speeds, like in a bunch sprint in the Tour de France, they're going to break. But bad luck. we do know a bit of insider info on this sort of topic, don't we? From Carbon Man Rob. Potentially. I'm sure, we, I think we discussed this previously in a podcast as well. Isn't it that the pro bikes have less resin? Resin. Like- Essentially, there is, he has, in his educated opinion, he thinks that a lot of race bikes that are being raced at pro level are built in a way they're slightly more fragile, but faster for racing. So a, there is a possibility, speculation, that the frame had less resin and therefore it would be easier to crack? Potentially, yes. But definitely speculation. Definitely speculation. But that wouldn't even be a and model anyway. It's going to break anyway. Yeah. If you were on a consumer bike, it would break anyway. Mm. Absolutely. I'm glad that he's all right. Well, obviously not like perfect, but I'm glad he hasn't had a very significant injury. Yeah. That was obviously a very big crash for the frame to crack as as bad as it is. I always find it amazing how many people in the crashes like that still just get up and so you probably don't around. Normal people. No, no, of course. If, did you know well, spare bike stuff? And obviously it's in the last, if it's in the sprint, yeah, I've got to finish the race. Do you remember we were actually talking about it on one of the many hours of driving over the last five days? where I was saying that once upon, I think it was when we were somewhere really windy and I was doing a warm-up for a TT and it was unbelievably windy. This is like a decade ago. And I was on the, the tops on the TT bike and I was warming up going, oh, this is so windy. There's no way I'm going to be able to get on the extensions for this. Yeah. And then I was on the start line and as soon as they set me off, I was on the extensions for the whole thing. Yeah, it's TT. separate thing, and isn't it? didn't even think about it. Like once, you, once the race starts, and you are a racer, because I was at that time. Like, it's just a mentality, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You just you just do it. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what a lot of these people do, is they crash, and they don't think, oh, I've crashed, this really hurts. I'd like to stop now, like normal people. I don't know, you jump up. The they, faster they you just, get up and carry well, yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. So I guess the question is, by... Uh, I don't know where this... Um, the command came from was it specialized that asked him to take it down was it the team that realized that maybe they shouldn't have posted it asked him to take it down whatever the case it's had completely the opposite effect to what they wanted and there's people like us we're not the first people to cover it cover talking about it in podcasts and using it as thumbnails and now the picture is more widely spread than it probably would have been in the first place so completely opposite effect don't try and sweep stuff under the rug it just doesn't work once it's on the internet, it's on the internet. I, th- I think, I think, like from a brand perspective, there is damage limitation uh, or potential damage limitation, but you need to just deal with it in a different way rather than just hiding it. Yeah, of course. It'd be much better if whoever had an issue with it and said to pull it down actually commented on it, addressed it, spoke about it. Do you think Fabio Jefferson manages his own Instagram? 
he's a big name, but he wasn't a big like he, he might be at that point where someone should be managing it. Well, some 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 of the pros will have people managing it, and some of them, especially at big events, might have people managing it just for the big events. Mm-hmm. It's fifty fifty. It might be himself. It might be someone else. It could have been, uh, you know, a, a relative, uh, like a, a loved one that, that that does it for him whilst he's there. Yeah. Um, perhaps he would. Perhaps he wouldn't have put it up himself, and it was someone in his team mm-hmm. that thought it was appropriate. Yeah. But you know, good question. Yeah. We reached out to Specialized uh, to see if they had any comment on the bike breaking, and they have not replied to us. At the time of recording, we've had no reply. Mm-hmm. Next up, Mark Cavendish coming back out of retirement. So, as we know, old news now, old but very sad news. Mark Cavendish crashed out of the Tour de France with a broken collarbone. It's a complicated collarbone break, so it's not even going to take a week to fix. It's a few weeks, uh, I believe, because he's broken it so many times. It makes it more complicated. He was retiring at the end of the season anyway, so it pretty much makes this season a write-off. He's currently tied in Tour de France stage wins. But for the record, most Tour de France stage wins won ever with Eddie Merckx, and I think there was a bit of hope that he would break that record and be the only person to have it uh, by the end of the season. Astana, his team, have offered him a contract extension to ride the next year's tour, saying he deserves another opportunity. And he hasn't currently come back and said anything. He did post a cool video, nice little video on Instagram yesterday from hospital where he's looking a lot better. He's smiling. He's um, looking forward to recovering and being back on the bike soon. And he explains a bit about his injury as well. But he doesn't talk about whether he's coming back next year obviously there's going to be conversations that are going to be had uh, but that would be a big change for him but um, yeah I, I don't know uh, I, I, I'm just fanboy he's such a nice guy He, the reason I got into cycling lovely guy I've met him a few times ridden with him he's just a dude I really want that I, I wish I, I really wish the best for him oh, but yeah but how, how many years has he been retiring a lot of time but it's stressful it for him like, like he loves it but also it must be like four or five seasons. the heartbreak is it's also very stressful isn't it it's like the guy deserves you've done all this stuff now it's like yeah you want to do other stuff in your life right how many more one more years so you add I just looked it up he is uh, born the same age as me he's actually he's a couple of months older than me he's 38 currently yeah I'm not currently 30 I'm 37 but I'm nearly 38 you feel that, yeah, after this trip. Oh my god, it's <laughs> just the end. Um, it, it, it really shows because do you remember there was a couple of seasons where he like had an illness and he, he kind of pretty much didn't compete and he was like off the radar. Can't remember what the other glandular fever was, so it was something like that. There's other way for that, isn't it? It really shows how exceptional he is that. Like he got to that period, he got he he dealt with it, and then when he came back, he actually started winning again. Yeah, yeah. Like he he's he winning against and and like sprinting is a um, physiologically sprinters tend to be a bit younger, right? Is that some we need a sports scientist? So, <laughs> but in terms of like it's it's longer efforts that are affected less by your age, whereas you know a sprinter should be affected. I assumed they were affected in a detrimental way as they age. 
And compared to the guys he's running against now, he's sort of like 20 year olds he's racing. But everything is. Everything gets harder. Crashing gets harder. Yeah. Recovering from the crashes. And like, of course, you have the best medical care in the world. But um, it's all just going to get more difficult. But no. Will we see him next year? Um, I hope so. I feel like we will because he's, he's like, he's, he's still hungry. The man is. He wants that. He that totally is, isn't he? He totally is. I think it was so close. It was bad luck. Even the sprint stage, so he came second in the stage. Yeah. And he had a mechanical. He like skipped his chain, something like that. It was so close. He's going to come back. He's so close. He'll be there. We should put money on it. Uh, that was a mad movie of his life. It'd be great. That is setting up for a right old film. It'll be like one of those 90s titles where it'll just be called The Missile. The Missile. If they use that name, this, you heard it here first. You heard it here first. Well, you didn't. You've known it as The Missile. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Mark Cavendish is known as being really meticulous with his race planning and like wrecking your roots and just knowing when stuff's going to come up, particularly in the last bit of the races. In my experience, though, I lined up with him on the start line of the Nationals. Glasgow, I think it's Glasgow. One of them, anyway. He turns to me, the big bunch. I was like, I'm really nervous. He looks at me, and I'm like, uh, what's he going to say? And he goes, which way does it go? <laughs> and I'm there, like, I have studied the course meticulously. So I'm absolutely bricking it. And he turns up, doesn't even check it. But the World Tour guys in the Nationals, it's like, there was maybe 10 of them at that time. Way more this year. Most people, most world tour riders in the nationals ever. But back when we did it, it was probably about 10 riders that turned up. Yeah, a couple of quick step guys, Sky back then, David Miller, he was still racing, um, who kept riding up and down the finishing straight on the right hand side of the road because he's so Euro, just messing everyone up. Now, on to our big question of the day What have we learned from cycling around the UK? So, in summary, we have explored top tips for five regions of the UK mm-hmm. that we decided before we got there, went to each region, filmed the things, the individual things that we had an interest in, um, and executed all of the videoing and started editing on the road. Mm-hmm. And it's taken six days to record five locations. Yeah. Uh, and we've thus far covered about 1,100 miles of driving. <laughs> Which has been full on for you. Yes. I don't have a driving license yeah. for the viewers at home. Uh, soon to be rectified. Is it? <laughs> I'm on record on a podcast saying it now, so I have to. You wish. I, d- I don't, know if, don't know if I want to. I'm 30 now. I don't know if I want to ruin my streak. No, I'm not having a license. It's fine. We'll just never do another series like this again. Fly with me. No, it's been um, very fun. It has been fun. So, yeah. So, ultimately, we've been moving around the country a lot at a, at a very high rate within the speed limits um, to document lots of cool stuff. High rate in terms of we get to a location, we get out of the car, and then we're filming straight away. Yeah. We hit on bib shorts, literally driving around in bib shorts all day, ready to go terrible for me because you've just done like 14 hours of literally non-stop yeah whereas for you you get to sleep for eight hours of the day did i sleep in the car at all yeah but you do that thing where you sleep with your eyes open 
and have a conversation. But you're not Looking at the notes of the really video that we're about to do. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I was also DJ. So the 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 big challenge with the logistics on something like this is we have to do a lot of pre-planning. We actually worked with producer Emily on getting all of the pre-production done on this. So we, we essentially know where we're going and we have the right information to talk about at each of these locations. Because it's important that we don't just, you know, turn up at Stillam Dam and go, this is a dam. It's really cool. It looks pretty. Well, that's the thing. Most of the locations... Well, all of the locations, one of us have been there, ridden it already. Um, but I don't know facts about them. So it's all the stats and stuff, maybe all the important stuff that people, that have, it has to be correct in the video. We don't know those at all. And both of us struggle to like put information into your brain and then regurgitate it straight away. So how, if like the people who present, it's amazing. It's such a skill. Yeah. It's such a skill. Like it's not just making a vlog. Where you're talking about what's happening right there and then, like, a oh, cool, I can talk to a camera and do that. Don't care about filming in public, great, easy. Doing this, regurgitating facts, which you just had to learn. Even if you learned them the day before, they're gone. Like, I just can't um, retain them. I do think it's massively exacerbated by being tired, unbelievable levels of fatigue. Yeah, well, of course. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm, I'm not looking forward to watching the five episodes side by side and seeing how much. I physically deteriorate by the end. <laughs> physically, it was also, um, I, I saw I rode more than you did. Jimmy would ride a little bit with me to get some footage of the climbs and stuff. I would usually ride the climb or the road or the feature the whole way. So we had stats. So we had like the actual Garmin stats that we could show. The video series was sponsored by Garmin. So we need to get Garmin in there. And it would be, here's the bottom of like, uh, 6k 15% climb get out of the car go <laughs> it's like there's no warm up or anything it's, it's 20% it's like okay and then I'm filming just like Jimmy said we're up with climb what an asshole it's a beast isn't it yeah I'm complaining I actually really enjoy doing stuff like this it just needs more time but anyway we'll go on if we did it over to, if it was one location like Northumberland and we did it in three days we would be a lot more relaxed. It would be enjoyable. Mm. But that's what I like that. It was that it's actually a series that I wanted to make for about four four or five years. I've always wanted to do a mini travel series in the UK because I personally think that cycling in the UK is massively underrated and is one of the best cycling places. Is it gonna in be oil overrated and underrated? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um I do think it's massively underrated and I've just always wanted to showcase the UK. I think there's a lot of people in the UK that live in these regions that also want to see their like secret little roads that no one really knows about being shown and seeing that actually it's getting recognition because it is amazing. Mm -hmm. Um so we had so when we were chatting with Garmin about some video features for this year, we mentioned this. You weren't convinced at first, and I'm not totally convinced you I'm not totally sure you're convinced by it yet. But I still think it's a it's a great format, uh, and I really like it. And um, I hope I hope it does well because then we can make more of them, and then we can start looking at you know the best places to ride in the world, and really show stuff that no one has ever seen before. Yeah, it's a tricky one. You you I you have to experiment with these things. Yeah, of course. And that's well, I I think some of the success of the channel is down to me early on always changing and doing different stuff 
and trying different things. And some of it works, some of it doesn't. And then you just adapt. You just can't do the same thing for too long. Um, but particularly in this series specifically, there was the challenge of oh, how many people are searching for, okay, Lake District, yeah, Peak District, yeah, but Northumberland. How many people in London, they've heard of Northumberland, but it does, is it on their radar of, oh, I'm going to go cycling? Northumberland might have cycling, Matt. You don't. You just go. Yeah, Northumberland's North massively. Yeah, Peaks Lake, Mallorca. It's not even Peaks, is it, Corona? It's probably Lakes. Probably, probably Lakes. Which I think was the weakest place in terms of cycling. Well, it's got the most challenging cycling. Yeah. But I wouldn't want to. Neither would I. And we're two very different riders. I've done, I've been on a cycling holiday there. The, pro- the problem for me with the oh, we're going to go into this now. We're going to we're going to deep dive into. All right, fine, let's do it. <laughs> Don't need to do that, do we? The best. Yeah. It's joint for me. London and Northumberland, and that is going to piss off everyone in the world because they're going to go. Lawrence shit, it's full of cars, and I'm going to go. But it's the safest out of all of them. <laughs> and it's the most exciting yeah because like everyone's so used to cars in London that it's just it's just fine so used to cyclists yes yeah. drivers the drivers are so used to cyclists, cyclists. And, and the places you ride as long as you know what you're doing but it's, you know where you're going the infrastructure is unreal yeah the infrastructure is good but it, they're like they're so it's so like there's so much excitement they're like London and Northumberland like opposite ends of the spectrum London is like urban, there's tons of food everywhere. Everything you could possibly want, you can find and you can get to it on a bike and they're probably bike friendly. And if they're not, you can just get a Boris bike and dock it outside. Northumberland is unbelievably expansive. You can see for so many miles, it's got an amazing coastline. It's got climbs if you want climbs. It's flat if you want flat. It's got gravel riding. It's got mountain biking. It's got everything you can possibly imagine. And it is not outrageously busy. Yeah, and it's dry. Compared to peaks and lakes. And all Wales. Yeah. yeah. As dry as London. Um, Wales for me is Wales. I'm from Wales. Therefore, just as soon as I cross the border, the air feels cleaner to me. Yeah. It's just one of those places. It just, it, it feels like home. So I love it. I absolutely love it. I'm, I really don't want to go on ride there. So one of our mates, Dion, who helped us with the route, we caught up with him very briefly. I don't think we even really filmed him very much. No, uh, we filmed him saying a very long word. Yes, he helped us put the route together. He lives up in Harleth. Um And every time I see him, he's like, oh, you've got to come over and do some riding. And every time I'm like, no, well, I just don't want to. It's 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 really close to the lake. It's it's, it? The climbs are massive. They're really steep. They're not as close together as they are in the lakes. But like, obviously, it isn't, it's unbelievably beautiful to ride. There. They're still pretty close. Oh, yeah, it's, it's it's only uphill or downhill, and and the climbs are twenty percent up. Yeah, for a lot of long portions of them. The peaks this is relentless. Um, the peaks is great. It's really nice. It's probably, I think it's probably got really nice riding in the peaks. In that, like, the climbs are savage, but everything just feels a bit more like muted flow. Yeah, there's flow. There is better flow there, isn't it? It feels like you could do a, a, some nice routes in the peaks where you finish them and go like, "That was a challenge," but I am I'm I'm still functioning as a human. Mm-hmm. Um, Road surface is good. 
good services, good. And of course, the, the, the likes. Chris Hall and George Goldbred. You have those two people. Yeah. Everyone hang out with that. We've well, got some friends there. It does make a difference. You can pay to hang out with George because he's got a campsite. Yeah, you literally can. Um, they are they are all unbelievably beautiful. The lakes is stunning, and I would like if I was going there. I don't think I would take a bike. I think I would go. I'm taking my dog, and I'd go walking. Mm. I'd go go to, to do some of the. It's outrageously busy. In the summer, it's outrageously busy. It's London. Yeah. More so, like, significantly more than the peak. The peak is spread out, I guess. So there's, there, there, there's a couple of hot spots, the little town. Books felt very residential compared to the lakes. The lakes feels like it's literally just full of tourists, whereas the peaks feels like it's full of, like, people that live there. Yeah. So the roads actually were a bit busy, but it's just, like, people going to work and going to the shops. Yeah. Um... Wales was like unbelievably quiet. There's no one there, is there? Northumberland was unbelievably quiet. Yeah. Um, You're right. Northumberland wins. So we agree that actually... The joint winners are Northumberland and London. Yeah. I kind of feel like that must be biased because we both live. We love and we love. London. And we both are living right, right, right next to Northumberland. Or I literally just lit, le- left living in Northumberland. Yeah. Yeah. Bias. Must be bias, when, must have left. Well, we better check out some more. I think there are people in the comments. They were suggesting Yorkshire, Scotland, Devon, uh, Ireland. I've never been to Ireland. Well, I've been to Dublin once, but never. The rest. There's a lot more. Yeah, some cycling there as well. Um, so, Scott, score of the gods. Scotland and Yorkshire were on the list. Uh, so, because we were doing the third series and it needs to be efficient, we were originally looking at. Places that we could get to relatively quickly from our base in Newcastle. Mm-hmm. So originally the list was going to be uh, Edinburgh instead of London. Yeah. So it was basically just this trip that all links together and it's super compact. But because of other logistics, um, it meant it made more sense for us to end up in London. But Yorkshire was also on the list. Uh, we didn't consider Devon or Cornwall because they are a long way from home. So even just getting there is about a seven, eight hour drive or something rather. But, you know, if these videos do well and um, there's a reason for us to be able to do more over other stuff, then I'm very keen to finish. I'm very keen to complete the United Kingdom and then keep going. Me too. The low lights. The low lights was definitely not giving ourselves enough time. Um like like you said, we should three days per location is what it should be, because then you can do all of the filming in two days and at a pace that's like you can actually enjoy it and ride a bike. Yeah, uh, there were some po- there were some points where we were looking at each other like this is what we how are we going to get out this morning? How are we going to do this? Another time, as you point so it happened. There's a lot of it that happened. We pulled it together. Like, I'm very good at geeing each other up and, and pushing the energy back up. There was your levels back up. There were probably two or three points where we were both very low, and that was the most challenging bits. But oh, I got grumpy about the camera. You did, yeah. Yeah, and I got grumpy about being tired. <laughs> so, it was it's like that. It's, it's just I don't know. I think I think we actually do work well together because if we can both be at that level of fatigue and not wanting to kill each other, no, nah, we're very chill. Yeah, yeah. it was good. It's worked well. Um, so yeah, more t- more time on the, at each location, and then we could do like so what we wanted to do was actually ride with, because u- ultimately 
there's always an expert in every region. Mm. And one of the things we actually wanted to do was spend some time with that person in each region. Um, so in this case, Northumberland was us because we know it. Uh, well, it was technically me because I was living there for a while. Um, Lakes was Toby the from Coldark, 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 who is the Rube Master General. Uh, Peaks was Chris Hall, so we wanted to spend more time with Chris. North Wales was Dion, um, and then London was again us. Um, but it would have been nice to actually, you know, like when we were in the lakes, go for a ride with Tobes and do a bit more of a feature on, on Tobes and what the region means to him. Um, and that's what a bit more time. It would be two, two, two full days in each location and then a travel day in between. Slash edit that. Yes, we can edit in the car, edit a camper van instead of a car. Oh, that that would be perfect. We nearly had it. Uh, perfect. And then all you do is drive on that middle day. I edit and then we get there. Absolutely. Yeah, that'd be perfect. We were going to have a camper van for this, um, but the logistics of getting the camper van would have taken too many days to collect it because it was available from down southern England. So I, I would have had to have lost the day coming down to get it to drive it back to then undo that when we finish. Yeah. And at the time, we were also going to be finishing in Scotland, not in London. Um, so yeah, next time we were definitely doing the camper van. Time for another round of overrated or underrated, my favorite bit of the podcast. I'm going to read out a list of things and you're going to tell me if they're overrated or underrated. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Tour de France spectators. <laughs> that is so hard. Poor guys. Um, they are overrated. Why? Because they are too intense, and they make. <laughs> I, I, if I was a rider, I'd be so annoyed. I'd be probably pissed off. It's part of it, though, isn't it? Oh, yeah, but it's like it's that sea of people, you know, when they're going out. I'm doing great for TV. Yeah, but it must be horrible as a rider that you you you're dictated to by these people. How many crashes happen because of spectators being in the well, lines? Two, like, two this year, this year already. It's just, oh, step the fuck back. Steph Crass had to abandon the race after a fan cause a crash. Uh, it upsets me that spectators are making the sport like un- not only unpleasant for the riders but literally dangerous. Mm. Like that shouldn't be a thing. People like, get too too into it. Just chill out, enjoy it. Don't don't be a dick. But it's gonna it, it when it reaches the point where they ruin it and. They get like there's no spectators allowed, and there'll be barriers or something, and that'll be really sad. So a little bit of ch- a change in attitude, just for you know, just a bit of a shift. 
Yeah, I think it's like it's part of it. It's yeah. iconic and it's really great. And then they're being positive. It's fantastic. I like get yeah, yeah. you get some people who are dicks. Like you get a person like I don't know, like Contador, they're heckling him and stuff years ago. The what? The, That's a bit fun. even more so than the narrowness of it and people sticking their arms out. You used to see it. They, they it's a lot less frequent, uh, or maybe it's because I just watch less pro cycling. But you'd sometimes get someone which would like come out the side and start like patting them on the back. I think there was one from a couple of years ago, and like one of the riders was getting patted on the back, and it was literally just someone basically punching them in the kidneys. Not not actual punch. Yeah, it's but like, it's like it was like a kidney slap. It's like like that. That's not pleasant. No. no. But then you. But then I also go like, oh, maybe they actually support someone else and they're doing it on purpose and they are actually giving them a kidney jab because they want to crash or something bad. The thing that got me. Um, the the place I raced with the biggest crowds was Belgium, and the nationals, but that was barriers. But Belgium, uh, dogs. Oh no, dogs! Just don't bring it. Just don't bring him. Oh, like on the foot. So yeah, they were they run out, cause crashes. There was a dog that ran out, caused a crash. And the guy was on the floor for like laps. Ambulance, everything. Horrible. Just don't bring your dog to a bike race. Oh, yeah. Elite. Well, or just, and they keep, keep it. Yeah, you just keep it somewhere have else. Control of, yeah. Always have control of it. As a bike racer, you just don't want it anywhere near yeah. the road. Just away. Away. And I love dogs. So are you saying overrated or underrated? Oh. Overrated. <laughs> <laughs> Slam stems. Overrated. Um, over well, if your bike fits you, you can slam your stem. That's not what. That's not quite the question. Is is it overrated or underrated? But if your bike fits you, then it's over uh, underrated because it's the correct place for it. Underrated. If it doesn't, if your bike doesn't fit you, then it's a good way to make it fit you. So uh, underrated. That's. I'm agreeing with you. That's underrated. Under it's a, it's a use. Sorry, slab. No, it's a good. <laughs> that made no sense. <laughs> Overrated. It's a good way. It putting stack on a frame that's the wrong size for you is a good way of getting your handlebars higher. So you don't want to slam your stem. It's been a long week, Jimmy. Okay, it's been a long week. Everybody can edit this, make it sound real smooth. To that. <laughs> In the past, it has been fashionable to slam the stem on a bike regardless of anything else because it looks cool. So in my opinion, it is massively overrated because fit is more important than if a bike looks cool. And I've historically done it and uh, it would have been, I would have had a much more enjoyable experience as a bike rider if I hadn't. Your stem is currently slammed on your Scott, the Cade Media Scott, but it fits you. It does, yeah. So that is a perfect example of what I was just saying. Also, get a bike that fits you. Some of my other bikes that I ride are slammed, but they are literally custom geometry and steel. Well, there you go. <laughs> this goes to show custom is. But the like, the idea of slamming it for aesthetics is overrated. Yeah, yeah, especially super aggressive frames. Yeah, like the I find I could tolerate a very aggressive position. Do a lot of riding. Well, do a lot of riding, doing a less and less as time goes on. Uh, the Scott Foil. Is a very aggressive bike that slammed and you can feel like that that is a, it's a long bike mm. it's a long low bike most people will not be able to ride by like that no you would need a short step or more stack ftp tests overrated 
overrated for the majority of people. They're not. They're okay. not. The more coaches I speak to, the more the more I find that people that coaches aren't using twenty minute FTP tests as their benchmark performance. Yeah. Most people, most coaches are not using the twenty minute test, but it's so popular as this like it's how much power I can do in one hour that people are obsessed with it. And if, with that in mind, it is overrated. I'm going to be doing some work with Coach James Jobber. And the first thing he said was three minute and 12 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's all about that. So I would go even further and say FTP is overrated. Yeah. High, high, high FTP doesn't mean you're going to be great in a race. And it's, it's I think... Or, or FTP, as a cyclist. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like if you're having a smash up with your mates, James is a perfect example. He's a Conti rider and his FTP is probably a whole watt per kilo less than mine was when I was racing at elite level. And he's significantly better than me. Significantly better bike racer. For, for a multitude of reasons, there's lots of other things that matter much more than having a high FTP. Yeah. So if your FTP is like, oh, I can only do five watts per kilo, that's not only, that's like, that's super high. There are, there are pros with five watts per kilo FTPs. If you have lactate recovery, and you can recover in between efforts and you can come back and you can keep doing that five minute power loads of points during the race and you can do it four and a half hours into a race that is important and that's really good for you know if you want to do well ftp is not the be all and end all but let's take it back a step to just like normal cyclists that aren't professional bike racers yeah it still doesn't matter they're going to get better better bang for their buck riding than going like, I need to be really good. I really need to have a really strong FTP. Just like follow a generic training plan like that isn't just about FTP and you're going to end up being a better cyclist. Yeah, it's volume, isn't it? Volume's the key. What? But it... I don't know. I don't know. But like, again, if you're like a professional rider, but most normal people don't have 20 hours a week or even 10 hours a week. So like actually not just focusing on like base and volume and zone two and doing big big numbers like you have done historically and chris does all of the time but we have time to ride well exactly exactly yeah. like like if i was if i was going to get fit again i wouldn't be going well i'm going to do two hours a day of bike riding i'm going to be going like well what can i get done in like 30 minutes 40 minutes mm -hmm. and then when i can do longer stuff i put that in as well um and then and then even within that smaller stuff like just volume in a sense of if i'm riding consistently i'm going to do better so like just ride do some have some efforts every now and again make sure you're recovered have a good time would i even bother doing an ftp test probably not the two most important things in your training really is volume and intensity if you can't get the volume then intensity is next on the list yeah, exactly and i give you yeah agreed in terms of what you need to focus on then comes all the other stuff which people focus on too much i think maybe for another episode of overrated underrated yeah. but it's all the things like supplements recovery yeah um you know like it's just it, it, the, the list goes on Maybe, forever and ever and do you know what? we should actually talk about this because you know we're not i i personally don't want to talk much about the whole like pro cycler thing pro pro racing scene because i don't know much about it and uh i i do enjoy it but ultimately i don't care that much about pro racing mm -hmm. but we have both raced competently at for quite a good period of time, you at an elite level, me in more running and triathlon stuff. I have done loads of bike races as well. But we both really dug deep into training philosophy and like the psychology of it and the nutrition of it and the strategy and all of that side of stuff. 
So that probably is something that we should talk about at some point. Yeah, we can. Turn lines. Overrated. Overrated. Hate turn lines. They're the, the most ugly things in the world. Pros don't want them, so they roll their sleeves up. Amateurs want them because it makes them look more pro. <laughs> so they, they, there's, this, there's this Instagram movement, definitely historically, probably not so much anymore, of like cultivating perfectly perfect tan line so i look like a cyclist when i've got shorts on and a t-shirt on but nah i think that they're, they're vile i've i'm always spent as much time as possible not having them i try look how short my shorts are well, i never have a tan line a permanent now after a few years of racing that was it it's like they're literally i cannot get and then if i try and fi- fix it i just red, go red and it's red and then bring <laughs> <laughs> just going back to white. It's weird that because Emily's a bit like that as well. Like when she, yeah, when when her leg tan line is in, it like it will just stay there for years without any yeah. health up. Yeah, yeah. So weird. weird. Fasted cardio. Wow. Oh, um, okay, this is actually a problem. This is one of those things that's slow down on the list. Yeah. I was just talking about <laughs> the people focus it's, on. It's overrated because people don't understand it. However. I appreciate and like it as part of a larger training program. You like it? Why? Uh, it has value. But people think that fasted cardio is a tool for um, performance, but it isn't. You perform badly if you train over zone two when you fasted, and therefore I think it's overrated because people go out fasted and do really hard sessions, and it's less effective. Yeah, that, that is true. I'd go out with um, Pete Hawkins. We talk about Pete a lot on the podcast. Um, used to race in the Commonwealth Games. He, I'd go riding with him, do like an hour cafe spin, fasted sometimes. He really liked doing it. Swore by it. However, evidence shows it doesn't make that much difference. And it should slow down on the priority list. The, what, the fasting? The, yeah. The fasting yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's matter. obviously you're under zone two the whole time on that ride, so you can do it. It might make you slightly more efficient at burning fat. But the problem is, in that world, if you're a trained athlete and you're fueling with carbs, even though you are fueling with carbs, you are still extremely efficient and you're still burning a lot of fat. Your fat burning zone is incredibly good. That's what you do. That's all about time spent in zone two is training that. So... It just it doesn't move the needle very much at all. It's one of those things that people focus on when really they should be focusing on volume and intensity. Yep, overhead. Yeah, I've been doing the fast. We took fast. You know this. I do. Yeah, noisy. <laughs> well, what well, breakfast? Got no breakfast in the hotel. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I, I I do unintentionally end up not eating, like especially when I'm in the studio or when yeah, you sort when, of when, joined when, me a when, of time, when right? it's hot. Yeah. I'm just not hungry in the morning. Mm. So I, I accidentally end up doing fasted cardio. Yeah. Well, not, not even cardio, fasted, intermittent fasting. Yeah, that's it. Um, but I think the, you're, well, yeah. I, I'm i a big believer of little and often in everything that you do, and that includes food. Mm. Next up is listeners take over, and we have a question from Rich. Do you have any advice on which way to go if you're between bike frame sizes? The Canyon I'd like to buy isn't available in UK retailers, so I'm buying blind. The bike is over £4,000, so I really need to make the right choice. I'm on the upper limit of their size small and lower limit of their medium. 
my heart size goes smaller. I would go for the smaller one. However, I wouldn't buy a bike blind or without getting a bike fit first, especially if I was spending £4,000 on it. I would say you're much better off buying a bike from a bike shop that if the size is wrong, you can go, oh, do you know what, mate? The size is actually wrong, but it'll probably be right in the first place because they'll know they'll know the bike inside out. Yeah. Um, Will they, though? Bike shops. Well. Depends on what one. Yeah, I did think that as soon as I said it. If you find a good bike shop, how do you find a good bike shop? I don't know. Um, it's a tough one. Sig- Sigma Sports is a good bike shop, and it was really good back in the day. Everyone knows Sigma Sports, right? If you're in the UK. I went there when it was a smaller shop. They put me on a 54 centimeter Cervelo S1. Way too big. You probably, and that was on your uh, racing stake as well. Probably should have been on a 50. Yeah, 51. 51, 52. Uh, 54. And that's from a shop that knows what they're doing. So they, they make mistakes. Well, that was before, yeah, bike fit became serious. But what they, it's before they hired James. <laughs> that's why they did. Um, I would say. I guess that, you know, Canyon's direct consumer from day one, they probably have very good sizing methodology built into their sales offering because they kind of have to uh, look at the return options. Um, If I was getting, it's probably being imported from outside of the UK, so there might be customs on it. I'm not sure. They probably cover that. But you might still have to send it back to see what options are with getting it sent back if it is the wrong size. which is the right op- the right option? It's kind of it's quite hard to say, isn't it? It's where a, a bike fitter, bike first, uh, James Thomas's method of fit first. Buy later. Buy later. <laughs> Buy later. James had a problem. So we have a friend called James who's a bike fitter. He was moaning about the Canyon charts being wrong. Right. So, brilliant. Sorry, can't help other than fit first, buy later. I would like to be able to help, but yeah, it's it's just too tough. It's too hard. You can obviously do things to a bike to change the fit if you know what you're doing. Well, a small bike you can make bigger much more easily than you can make a big bike smaller. Yeah, that is true. As long as the, as long as the small bike isn't so small, so small that like your toe overlap is so aggressive that it's just un, it's just unpleasant to ride. Um, but I guess pretty much everything's toe. Everything's got toe overlap. You just learn to deal with it. Apart from my gravel bike, because it's custom. Ah, uh, yes. There you go. Custom steel bike. Custom stuff. Zero toe overlap on an extra small size frame. Sorry, Rich. We can't really help you. Next question from Kapanyi. Hi, guys. Really love the show. I have a question about tire tread from mild knobbly gravel tires like the Toreg, Torino Dry, Terra Speed, Cinturato, Gravel Age. Are the knobs more likely to wear off on pavement or on gravel off-road? I guess these were designed for hard pack surfaces or not too difficult on off-road rides. Pavement would wear them more. Is there any difference? Well, my understanding is yes. Do you know those tires? Like one of those tires? They're all, they're like different. gravel tires. Right, okay. Not with massive knobbles on. The gravel tires that I have used that are like this, like the, the Touregs, the tread on them, there's knobbles, but they're not very soft. Yeah. So they're made to last longer and for hard pack stuff. So you've hit the nail on the head there. It will wear as fast as the quality of the rubber. Well, no. Riding on a riding a mountain bike tire on a road, the 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 myth, or maybe it's true, 
is the, the general understanding from people is that you don't want to ride your mountain bike too much on the road in between the trails because it wears your tires out. But that's presumably because they have such soft rubber. Yes. Whereas there probably are versions of tires that have a rubber that's more suitable to riding on tarmac. There is going to be a... Di- ultimately, it comes down to, like, even road tires, you know, some wear quicker than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a bit of trial and error. Speaking to a bike shop might be an option or someone that has lots of experience. The actual... What is the actual question? Is there any difference? Yes, there is a difference, but it's mostly, in my experience, because of the type of rubber of the tire. My... Well, is there a difference between the same tire on road or or light pack gravel? And the answer is, I believe so. However, it's speculation. Yes. Uh, try different tires. See what works for you. <laughs> question from Worthy. Love your podcast. A bit of frivolous question. Have you ever checked Strava? No. And seen any famous pro riders who are in the same segments as, for you, as you? If so, who? Mine was Wap Van Art. Needless to say, I wasn't quite up to his speed on that segment. Uh, I don't use Strava. I don't use Strava. So I have it. I hate Strava. It encourages all the bad stuff about cycling bikes. <laughs> it makes people think that they need to be bike racers when they should just be out having a good time. The amount of times I've been riding with people. Well, some people like doing that. But it's not. It's not healthy. Like, I, like you know, for, for most people, you know, it is the anomaly. But there's some people that are so obsessed with segments and data. And part of the reason of that is apps like Strava. And that makes me very upset. They forget that the beauty, the best thing about riding the bike is getting your mates together and going out and having a chat and having a good time and actually not thinking about data or average speeds or segments. And that is the reason why Strava very much upsets me. Do you think that the going out and just having fun with your mates is getting lost? I think it's coming back, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I think when we were riding lots, however many years ago, like everything was about Strava. You know, there's that like meme, that like saying, isn't there? What is it like? Strava or it didn't happen. It Like what a load of shite. Mm. Like if anything, that's a great branding exercise for Strava, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So when it came out, when Strava came out, I was being coached by Andy Edwards, Kingston Wheelers. Yeah, I know Andy. Used to race the um, Premier Canners, grey hair. Music biz, like the music biz, lovely guy. And I remember Strava coming out, and he was like, Don't get that, don't get it. Because he was coaching me, we wanted to go, as, I wanted to go as far as possible in the sport, it was getting serious. And everyone can see your data, everyone can see your training. You don't want to show people your strengths, do you? Um, not how it's gonna make that much different. That's actually the I always think of that. That's the next level on from being obsessed with Strava. So obsessed with you and I do data. Just don't have the data in the first place. Now it's a personal thing. I like having the data. I upload it all to just the Garmin app and I go back and I look at it. It works with my like my watch data. I like that. The smell oh, stuff. Like the sleep yeah, sleep, body yes. battery and all those things. Like I I'm, I definitely I like I check that every day. And when you record stuff on your bike, it then syncs and it all works together, which is cool. But yeah, in terms of Strava, nah. I don't want another social media. I don't want any social media. The only reason I got Instagram is because it's job, it's work. I don't want more. I am I am on Strava. My stuff. Or things will get little likes. My stuff automatically uploads to Strava, but I don't pay pay attention to it. Um, 
Strava used to be absolutely mint for route planning. And that used to be the only thing I used it for. Um, but then they put that behind the paywall and I did it. I didn't particularly like Strava anyway, so there was just no reason to keep it. Yeah. yeah. Um, thankfully, uh, not only are we sponsored by Garmin, but Garmin's route planning stuff is actually now sick. Um, so I just I, use that for everything. <laughs> Convenient. That is all for this episode. If you have any questions or stories, please send it to wildonespodcast at kmedia.co.uk. If you watch this podcast on YouTube, please subscribe. And if you're listening... Please like the episode and give us a review on Spotify or Google or Amazon. Is that where it is? I think it's Amazon. Uh, audibly is Amazon's. Audibly. Yeah. Oh, lovely. We're not here next week because we're on holiday Holiday in two different locations. I'm going to be in Scotland. Mm. And we're here in London. And then we're both going to be in the north. Oh, so I will see you there. Great. But we'll be back the week after. Thank you so much for listening and listen to you guys soon. <laughs> see you guys soon. Well, I say see you guys, but we're not seeing them. It's a podcast. Listen to you guys soon. You will listen to us soon. We're probably going to need an outro song, aren't we? the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times underwritten by golden rule insurance company they offer budget-friendly flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment the plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals so for whatever tomorrow brings united healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you learn more at uh1.com a lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.